At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you enjoy what we do and you want access to a bunch of other stuff, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Silver level membership unlocks so much. Go check it out now. Thank you in advance. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Animal Man, Animal Man, doing the things an animal can. Also, bleeding from the eyes because I didn't need to sleep anytime soon. Uh, we'll talk movies, TV, comics, and more. Check in with some bats and spiders and skate the edge. All in the inimitable major spoilers style. And if you order today, you might get a Ginsu knife and a smokeless ashtray. Now, how much would you pay? Would you believe you get all this entertainment for free? Believe it, Spoilerite, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 892 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out this week. I told everyone, I warned everyone, hey, body horror in this week's episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. And I think, yeah, Matthew, the gif you sent was like, what? Hey. Didn't, didn't the gif you sent out was kind of like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. And now you know. Now and knowing is fifty percent of any given conflict. That what is, is wrong with you? Right. Hey, I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. Who is Kang the Conqueror? Is he Nathaniel Richards, a scholar born in the 40th century? Yes. Is he Pharaoh Ramantut, born in Egypt, Syria, 2950 BC? Also, yes. Is he Victor Timely? Yes. Victor Timely Jr. Uh-huh. Victor Timely the Third? All all the Victor Timelys, yes. Is he someone called let me check on this. The Whisperer? Uh, according to Wikipedia, yes. Is he a Mortis Lord of Time? Inexplicably, yes. Is he also Iron Lad? I'm afraid so. And Marcus Kang the 23rd, the Scarlet Centurion? Yes. So who else is Kang the Conqueror? Well, I'm glad you asked, Stephen. Variety is reporting that Jonathan Majors has been tapped to take part in the upcoming Ant-Man 3 starring Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly, and they believe that he is, in fact... Kang the Conqueror. He's going to be playing Kang, the time-traveling villain. Now, if this is true, and we're not saying that it is, this may be Marvel's attempt to backdoor the fantastic foresight of the franchise finally into the Marvel Universe. Uh, as you know, as Stephen just explained, there are many versions of Oh, no, of I Kang didn't explain. I just asked questions. You answer oh. all the questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, as we just explained... Yes. There have been many versions of Kang over the years, but the one that catches our attention is, of course, Nathaniel Richards, 31st century scholar and descendant of Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Uh, the internet is a buzzin', but I wouldn't expect your definitive answer anytime soon. Fandom stuff. Uh, there were a couple of tidbits of information coming out of this past weekend's DC Fandom event. Uh, first up uh, is the title for the fourth season of Young Justice. will be titled Young Justice phantoms Ooh. and uh it'll debut 
in on the DC Universe service. Next, we have word that the Doom Patrol has been given a third season, but instead of being a DC Universe service exclusive, uh, Warner Bros. has uh, rebranded the show as an HBO Max original. And I, I think this is the shape of things to come for DC Universe. Yeah, uh, I I'd mentioned this. I'd mentioned it this week on uh, the morning stream. I was like. I wouldn't just jump all over the DC Universe service just yet. I wouldn't sign up for it mm-hmm. because uh, Warner Brothers liked the uh, Doom Patrol just enough that it yanked it off that service. Some of these other shows could be yanked pretty quickly. I mean, we've already seen the Harley Quinn stuff all over the HBO uh, Max as well. I I don't have a lot of hope for DC Universe going forward. Mm. Let's see. Movie theater woes continue as Warner Brothers has announced it's pushing the release of Wonder Woman 1984 once again. The most recent release was due to release on October 25th, 2020. But because the coronavirus continues to be a plague on humanity, theaters in New York, Los Angeles and San Francisco remain closed. Analysts have said opening the movie before those uh, markets open would be a huge mistake, which is probably why Warner Brothers has announced the new release date for Wonder Woman 1984, December 25th, 2020. Uh, we will be back in a few months to tell you that that date is going to be pushed once again. <laughs> yeah, Wonder Wonder Woman gets pushed to. Oh God, Tenet didn't make any money. Twenty the twenty fifth of twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, wrapping up our news this week, CBS All Access is no more. What? Well, they haven't they haven't shut it down. They're actually just changing the name. Uh, per The Verge, CBS All Access is now going to become Paramount. Plus, Viacom CBS announced the change is taking effect in early 2021. And in addition to that rebranding, Paramount Plus will incorporate CBS, MTV, BET, and Paramount programming. And they're adding, I think they said, 30,000 episodes and movies into their streaming service. There you go. Can't wait to finally uh, have access. No, wait, I don't subscribe to any of that. Uh, Join the conversation about these stories and more in our Discord server. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. And if you're a Major Spoilers Patreon member, you can link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to even more features at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Also, as a bonus for those of you who are patrons this week, we talk all about uh, the clumps and Mm -hmm. we talk about Lovecraft Country and Matthew's trips to the hospital. Mm -hmm. You can only get that when you become a silver level member or higher over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you in advance. Go check it out right now. How about you guys? How about we don't jump into some reviews? Revoir! Matthew, why don't you start us off uh, this week with a comic that came out last week, Amazing Spider-Man number 48. I shall. Now, important, Amazing Spider-Man number 48 has a legacy numbering of number 849. If you know anything about comics, you know that the next issue, 850, is a multiple of five, and thus is probably going to be a big deal. So, written by Nick Spencer, art by Mark Bagley. Bagley's back, y'all. Uh, Spider-Man number 48 and or number 849 basically shows us a Peter Parker at the hands of the Sin Eater. If you remember the Sin Eater. Oh, is that the one that the Iron um, uh, Pharaoh lad had to detonate to keep the earth? No, that's the Sun Eater. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, you know where people can find more about Pharaoh lad, Matthew? Where? Over at the Legion Clubhouse podcast. Yes, exactly. Right here on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Anyway, sorry, go on. That's all right. It's an amazing show. I really recommend it. It's my favorite one. Uh, so, 
So much that we'll talk about it in the middle of another show, proving that, once again, Sophie's choice is not so hard when you're a podcaster. Uh, the Sin Eater was a guy from the 80s. He was a serial killer. He's now back, but he is inspiring legions of masked followers, and he's sending them into the streets to beat up anyone that they find different or wrong or bad. Um, they do not specify that these are racial hate crimes, but the implication is that these are racial hate crimes. And the Sin Eater is basically sending armies out into the streets, so Spider-Man has to call for backup from Spider-Man. So Peter and Miles are working together, and they realize that the Sin Eater's next target is Norman Osborn. Mm. So Miles is like, you know, Peter, just let him kill Norman. <laughs> and Peter's like, I can't do that. And Miles is like, no, seriously. On my planet, back when they had an Ultimate Universe, I met a Norman, and uh, he killed you, dude. Just let him go. And so Peter you know, swings off thinking about this, and then all of a sudden, Spider-Gwen shows up. And Spider-Gwen is like, you know, um, on my world, you're dead, and Norman Osborn sucks. You should let the Sin Eater kill Norman Osborn. And then we get a moment where all of a sudden Madam Web shows up and Madam Web is like, Hey, uh, Spider-Man, you should totally, uh, let uh, sin eater kill Norman Osborn. And Spider-Man having had the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future show up swings off to save Norman Osborn. And at the end of the issue, Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man and Spider-Woman, and Spider-Girl, and Silk, and Madam Web all come together, and they're like, no, he had his choice. Now, we have to stop Spider-Man. Spider-Man, I'm not sure, by the end of this issue, whether he has gone to save Norman or to kill him, but he's going to have to face six of his allies who now are going to stop him from whatever he's doing. That part is confusing. I will say that, but I really love the buildup in this issue. I love the art. I like the use of the other spiders. I don't think Miles Morales has looked this good since uh, probably ever. Since uh, uh, Bagley was doing the spider, since, spider stuff over at uh, Ultimate Spider-Man? Bagley, yeah, since Bagley was drawing the book. I don't know. I love having Bagley back. Uh, Bagley's Peter Parker Spider-Man is just top-notch stuff. And I will say this, I complain about the eyes being so evocative and having so much expression in the eyes. Bagley really balances that modern thing of the eyes have an infinite range of expression with mm -hmm. the old school thing of it's a mask, stupid. Mm -hmm. And because I'm old, I appreciate that he makes these balances. I really like his Jessica Drew even though she's wearing her old red costume and not her new creepy costume. And all in all, three and a half slices of meatloaf for Spider-Man number 849 and or number 48. I'm definitely coming back for next issue because I don't think they're going to kill Norman Osborn. Well, but I, was gonna, I always love it. I was going to ask because there is a series that we have written a little bit about over at Majorspoilers.com called The Amazing Spider-Man, The Sins of Norman Osborn. Yes. And I don't know if that is a tie in to what's going on here. If this is one of those things where uh, Spider-Man has to weigh the the scales on Norman Osborn against what he has done as good and what he has done as bad and whether that, you know, is going to ultimately determine whether Norman lives or dies. The Norman Osborn sins thing is tied into this Sin Eater arc. 
And Norman is actually now the head of the Ravencroft Asylum, which is uh, Arkham Asylum in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And he is in an administrative role. The Sins of Norman Osborn story, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is what puts Norman in the position that Sin Eater actually, you know, targets him in this issue. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, I I haven't actually read that issue, but I, I don't I, think I, it comes out until the end of September or October. Okay. So yeah, you got, comes, you I got think a it comes out tomorrow now that I think. Oh, about maybe it. it does. Maybe it is out this week. Oh yeah. Cause I did the preview. That's what it was. That's where I had mm. seen it. Maybe they're going to have a spider team. Maybe there will be the spider league of America. The fantastic. Spiders. I guess we will just have to wait and find out. Go check your local comic shop Spide or Comixology for more information on that. Out today from DC Comics is Detective Comics number 1027, 1,000 issues since the first appearance of Batman, all the way back in Detective Comics number 27. So this being a somewhat of an anniversary issue, this is one of those giant-sized, super-sized extravaganzas where they get everybody from Matt Fraction and Brian Michael Bendis and Grant Morrison and Dan Jurgens and Greg Rucka and Scott Snyder and Marv Wolfman and Kelly Sue DeConnick and so many more writers to come in and tell stories about Batman. Along with those writers, we have a slew of artists also coming in. I bet you're going to find someone that you love, including Chip Zdarsky, Jamal Campbell, Dan Mora, Ivan Rice. I think there's even a Jim Chung and a Jose Garcia Lopez in there. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is an anthology book. uh, So there are many, many different stories. And here's the thing. Back when I was a young uh, lad, uh, DC would have these, I think was like maybe issue 500 or 400. I forget which one, um, where basically it's like a big celebration of this. So we, you know, these little short stories give you a good idea of who Batman is and who his supporting cast is, uh, who his, who his villains are. Uh, this one though. And I think a lot of people don't like Batman so much these days because he's got to be grim, dark and dark grim and all those kinds of things that, that Matthew talks about. Get or- and he's more he's more interested in in breaking arms and making out with uh, uh, Black Canary on the on the pier because she tastes like cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> this is not that. This is Batman and his crew being detectives, being people who figure out the crime based on the clues that have been left behind. And yes, there are a couple of stories where Batman does have to punch somebody in the face. There's a couple of stories where he may have to wrestle a certain villain down to the ground. Uh, there are even stories that even don't feature, feature Batman. In fact, the Greg Rucka uh, story is a great GCPD uh, chapter. But through every book, Batman and company are following the clues. They're not just busting in and heads and taking names. They want to make sure that before they punch somebody in the face, that they have the the reason to do it, that they have crossed their T's and dotted their I's. And I love this. I love it when Batman is a detective. I love it when Batman solves the mystery and that you get to follow along with him. I dig that a lot. So this already gets high marks from me. Art in here, so many different writers in here, also gets a lot of high marks. This is one of those books that I say, go out and buy the physical copy of the book. You know, I forget how many pages this is. It's $9.99. But this is one of those that when I was a kid, I would have access to a Xerox copier and I would Xerox my favorite pages from the comic. And then I would cut out like the full page Batman, you know, spread, cut out all the background stuff and plaster it on my my trapper keeper and stuff. 
this is that book for the modern age. Some kid is going to go wander into the comic book store and go nine dollars for a comic. And then he may or may not be able to buy the comic. Um, but then they're going to do that exact same thing. They're going to scan this in on their scanner. They're going to print it out. They're going to cut it out and they're going to plaster all these images on their on their iPhone or their iPad background or their Android device, whatever it may be, because there's just so many really cool moments in this book that I really like. There is a fantastic story. There's one story. I'm going to tell you the whole story and spoiler it. It's called Detective 26. And it's about a cop. Well, not really a cop, but a, but a guy who des- decides in the in the 1930s that uh, he wants to fight crime and he's done all of his research. He's done everything that he needs to do. And he's figured out that mystery men are the way to go. And he goes out and he figures out that he has got to get the fedora. He's got to get the mask or the scarf or something that makes him really cool. Some kind of signature thing. And he's ready to go out and fight crime. And he's even got a really cool uh, name, the silver ghost. He's even got a little, a uh, little emblem that he wears on his hat. And he knows that right now he's got a junkie car, but eventually he's going to solve crimes and work for people so he can get enough money to buy a really fancy car, just like all the other mystery men that are out there. And the first night he goes out, he encounters Batman, essentially detective 27. And then he's just gives it up. The next shot is him essentially saying, ah, screw this because he knows <laughs> that his time as a mystery man has passed because it's, it's Batman. Uh, and that's a Grant Morrison one. It, I thought that that one was really, really well done story. And there are other stories like that. There's one that at the end of the story, I was like, did I miss something on how Batman discovered the clue? And sure enough, I had to go back and reread the first sentence because right there in the first sentence, it said, there's the clue that you need that triggered Batman at the end of the story to know that he had caught his man. So this is a really great collection. I'm giving it four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Um, This is a good Batman stuff. This is good Batman as a detective. This is not grim, dark Batman or grim noir Batman or dark Knights metal Batman. This is good Batman doing detective things. So I highly recommend it this week. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo also has a new comic coming out this week. What you got there, Rodrigo? I got Edgeworld number one. Nice. This is a Comixology original. Yeah, Comixology original. Um, So don't waste your time like I did looking for it on previews. (laughs) Um, But... um, yeah, so Edgeworld number one comes out this week. Uh, somewhat confusing because there was a video game called Edgeworld, and at first I thought that's what it was. It's sort of like this, like, um, kind of like build them up game. You build, and then you run out of time, and then you pay the thing to get more time, and then you build more things, and then you send your squad to harass your sister's squad. You know, that, that kind of game. Oh, yeah. Um, but that game's shut down, so probably okay to use the edge world name uh this does not appear to be affiliated with that it appears to be a brand new ip so far as i can tell um it is the story of uh killian jess a lawman who lives out in a planet that is sort of a, a crossroads um and between much more civilized places and thus has uh, become kind of a border town, kind of a frontier town, kind of a wild west of space. Um, there's a lot of uh, wild west imagery in here, obviously not, not uh, accidental, some aliens, some 
strange machinery uh, and uh, a, a, a sort of a somewhat like mystical framing device, which uh, is not touched on again uh, during the um, during the this first issue. So not super relevant to to the review. Um, I usually don't read the uh, the solicitations ahead of time. I just see a comic, look at the cover art, maybe not even that, just call it and in our system for not duplicating reviews and then sit down to read it. Um, so and I, I thank didn't you know for that. Yes. Uh, I didn't know uh, what it was going to be about. And as I was reading it and I kept going, I kept thinking like which one of these characters is going to turn to turn out to be the main character. Surely it's not this Killian guy, but by the end of the thing is like, Oh yeah, this is about him. This is his comic. And I kind of didn't want it to be because Killian is a, we learn a magistrate, which is some sort of law uh, thing. He's like a, he's like a hyperspace sheriff. Um, And being a magistrate, he has the ability uh, as he puts it, um, I know the law, I uphold the law, I deliver the verdict, I carry out the verdict. Um, po- probably not as succinctly as uh, some other dread lawman might have put it, but um, has, uh, yes, has that uh, thing going on. And he, he does that right before shooting a guy, right? Somebody commits a crime and he's like, yep, you are for dead and he shoots him uh this comes after somebody else shoots a uh after somebody else shoots somebody else in front of him and he's like yeah there was like probable cause basically or not probable cause but you know there was like you you were being threatened so yeah it makes sense that you shot him and then that person killian go upstairs and have sex and then the other thing happens and i'm like and I'm Wait, just sitting what? here in uh, so yeah, this lady shoots uh, uh, a dude and then she goes up and, and and Killian is like, yes, you are okay. You did not commit a crime by defending yourself from this guy. And then they go up and have sex. And then he later on shoots, renders verdict and kills a guy. Um, and I'm like, how is it possible that in 2020, I am reading a book in which a officer of the law like see somebody get shot doesn't really investigate it uh, goes and has a conflict of interest with the person who was who just did the shooting then turns around and renders a verdict and shoots someone again without like any sort of like trial or anything i'm just like how is it possible i mean that I mean, look out the window. I think it's probably pretty possible. No, well, that's what I'm saying. Is how is it possible that somebody thought it would be a good idea for this to be the main character of a comic book in the year of our Lord, uh, <laughs> 2020? Um, the art is good. The art is good times. I enjoy it. Lots of different looking characters. You got aliens. You got a good mix of, you know, cowboys and also people wearing like. Battlestar Galactica helmets. 
Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, who is the artist? Patrick. Patrick. Olaf. Olaf. Olafy. Probably Olaf. Yeah. Great job. Uh, this is a very violent comic, and it's rendered very well. Um, the violence is, in fact, impactful, which might be working against it because I kind of hated it. Um, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, two slices of meatloaf. It's you know, if this comic had come out five or six years ago, that's what I it would have probably floated by without too many problems. That's what I was but, wondering. But uh, it's just like. It's just like me sitting often at work because I have to like watching episodes of Law and Order and just watching like the detectives just like manhandle uh, someone. And it's like, it's OK because he's a criminal. It's like, you don't know that yet, Stabler. Put him down. You know, that's how I felt this whole time reading this. You don't know that yet, Stabler. Anyway, this two this is definitely one of those read the room comics. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They yeah, they they did not. Comicsology just. Put this out today. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, uh, Matthew and Rodrigo, for your thoughts on these comics that are out this week or last week within the last 10 days. And listeners, if you want even more reviews, you know where to head. Majorspoilers.com. That's where you can find all the cool news. No rumors, no speculations, no uh, no stories on baseball unless they're baseball comic related. You know, we don't we don't have any of that. We don't have any stories on on uh, football. If you want to discuss sports, you can go hang out in our Discord server. Majorspoilers.com. It's all about the comics and the pop culture for nerds like us and like you. <laughs> and we're also Kang the Con Conqueror. All of us are Kang That's the Conqueror. That's true. Everyone is Kang the Conqueror. You and me, Johnny Reed and Sue and their best friend Ben are, yeah, the drunk down on the corner. Yeah. 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 All the Ant-Men. Yep. Yeah. But what the hell? He's Super Scroll. Yep. That's something totally different. I uh, do oh, support, hey, you know, Ookla the Mock. That's who we were referencing earlier on. Uh, just a national treasure that you guys are not checking out. Uh, my two favorite albums, of course, uh, that I think it's probably their top sellers. Rodrigo is super secret. And um, what is it? The villains? What's the villains one called? Is it just called villains? I think it might just be called villains. Yeah. Uh, go check those two albums out. They are fantastic in their nerdiness and their pop culture-iness and their comic bookiness. Uh, they have a number of other albums as well. Uh, for years, we were running the, um, uh, stop talking about comic book song at the end of the show because uh, number one, they said we could. And number two, it's an awesome song about people who love comic books. Uh, we don't run that song anymore at the end of the show. Some people may have noticed that we went back to a uh, an original song that someone wrote for us many, many years ago. The reason for that is because apparently the RIAA mm -hmm. is stirring trouble again. And they're going around and doesn't matter if you have a license to do something. Doesn't matter if you have permission right. to do something. They're just pulling it. They're not just pulling episodes, but they're pulling entire podcasts off of uh, different services just by sending down the, the takedown notices. And I don't want that to happen to us, even though all of our past catalog of, of shows have that song in there. Uh, but I don't want that to happen. I don't want a disruption. And the best way for them to find a disruption is to find the most recent episode and say, well, are they using any music? Is it copyrighted? Uh, then we own it. And it's like, no, yeah, run no, it you through don't. the robot. It is. It is Ookla the Mock that owns it. And I'm not going to risk uh, taking down not just the major spoilers podcast, but all of the shows that we do because of one perceived infraction. Although, again, Ookla the Mock has said many times over many years, we are free to use that song and they're happy to use it. In fact, Rand, Rand, who is one half of Ookla the Mock 
He writes monthly features over at Majorspoilers.com all about comics that he has read over the last, I think it's 40 years, 50 years of comics reading. It's 40 um, now. Yeah. I think it's 40. Yeah. And he just goes back in time and says, well, hey, in this in this month. So in this month, it'll be September of tw- of uh, 1970 or whatever it is. He'll go back and say, this is the comic that I read on this month, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever it may be. And he'll tell you 1970 is 50 years ago, by the way. Yeah. So he'll go back and tell you what he what he read. And he just does that for uh, the multiples, like every 10 years for this year uh, and that month. It's really a cool kind of retro review kind of thing. I highly recommend you guys go check it out. And then down at the bottom, you'll probably find links to some of the Ookla the Monk music. Uh, Go out and buy it. Buy it all. Give those guys some music because it is uh, well-earned and well-deserved, and we're glad to have them part of everything we do at Major Spoilers. All right. It is time for a trade paperback discussion. Fortunately, this week, fortunately, this week, uh, we did not have an Animal Man TV show, an Animal Man (laughs) movie, or anything that we had to uh, try to program against. So I think, I think Rodrigo, you're the one that recommended this. Yeah. Rodrigo was like, Hey man, how about we do that uh, new 52 animal, man? I hear it's all kinds of crazy. Yep. I, uh, Oh boy. I kind of tweeted out earlier this week. I said, there's going to be a lot of body horror discussion in this week's major spoilers podcast. And I don't think people believe me, but there's a lot of body horror in this, in this book, Matthew. Oh my word. This is horrifying. I mean, I mean, I mean, so the interesting thing, Rodrigo, is this does not appear to be, you know, a complete reboot of the, the buddy, the buddy character. In fact, they seem to keep uh, all of his previous pre new 52 origin intact. This is just like, Hey, you guys remember animal man. Here's what he's doing in the new 52. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely I would say I would call this a, a soft reboot, I guess. Yeah. Um, especially because as you go on, you find out that his powers come from a different place. And basically, they're not saying all of that stuff that happened before didn't happen. But we're also not telling you specifically what did happen. And also, if we decide that we didn't want him to be in a Roadrunner cartoon and then meet Grant Morrison, then that also didn't happen, right? Is that what happened? Pretty much. That is what happened. Okay, okay. Pretty much, because we are introduced to the concept of the red. The red. Now, this is something that was introduced, I believe, in the New 52, to where you had the red, but more importantly, over for Swamp Thing, you were introduced to the green. And basically, any plant-based character in the DC universe was now connected to the green where I used to think it was just parliament of trees. Uh, now it is the green Matthew. Give us, give us a rundown of what the green and the red and isn't there. What's the other one? The black, the gray, the gray. I think okay. there was of the black. Yeah. Uh, the green actually comes from Alan Moore's run on swamp thing. Okay. So that is but, an old concept. Yeah. That is from like the eighties. The red actually rolled out of the, uh, Grant Morrison era. I don't know that it was actually called the red then. But yes, anyone with animal powers, so Buona Beast, Beast Boy of the Teen Titans, uh, the Freedom Beast, that guy who can turn into a horse. Um, yeah, all of the characters who can channel animal-type powers are tied through this kind of quasi-mystical source called the Red. The Gray, I believe, was all about mushrooms and fungus. 
mm. uh, spores, molds, and fungus, you know, so it's a big fan of uh, Egon's. But yes, there's also the clear, which I believe was the water elementals, uh, and the gray and the black. But yes, the the blue and the gray, of course, was a, a TV miniseries back in the 80s. Uh, the black is actually in this issue, or in this uh, arc, but they call themselves the Rot. Oh, right, 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 yeah. They're basically the existential force of death. And instead of a parliament of trees, they have a parliament of decay. It's pretty gross. Yeah. So it's because the, the red and the green and the rot run through all things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you are an animal-based power, then the red can jump into you. And that includes you, Buddy Baker, and that includes you, Buddy Baker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxine. If you, yeah, Maxine, if you have those powers, we'll, we'll run through you too, and we'll be able to control you. And apparently she is the one. She is the chosen one. And she is going to save the day. But uh, now the rot is after it. And that means anything that you can kill or something that has already been killed or something that you want to devour and kill uh, can be part of the rot. And in order to do that, here's here's how I can describe this. For those of you who have seen the thing or if you know what a Cronenberg is. uh, We get pages and pages and pages of those monstrosities in this book Uh, and not just like single panel, you know, like a little panel in a page. No, these are like three quarter double page spreads. (laughs) <laughs> of just the the some of the most disturbing grossest stuff yeah. that I have seen in a long time horrifying I mean they're melds of animal parts and and just mutated bits and pieces of organs and meat and uh, it's just uh, it is disturbing okay, I'm gonna say a word and I want to make this clear to you friends and family do not Google this word. I accidentally Googled the word once, teratoma. And if you know what that means, then literally that is the visuals that I'm I'm seeing in this in this this horrifying six issue arc for which I shall never, ever forgive Rodrigo. Ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. I mean, and- I read issue one back in the day. We read all the number one yeah, we read all the number for ones, yeah. major mm-hmm. spoilers. And I remember reading it and seeing it end and being like, nope, I'm outie. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it so was kind of the opposite for me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? Just like, Gro- what? Gross skeletal creatures. Heck yeah. And so really, this is a this is a setup because I think it's either two or three parts to this. Um, to yeah. this story. The first one is called The Hunt, Volume 1. Jeff Lemire and Travel Foreman, uh, the creators on this, where essentially the rot is going after Maxine and Buddy has to save her. And to do it, these three things of the rot are going around and eating people and trying to chase down people and kill things. And uh, suddenly, uh, essentially kind of a zombie outbreak starts to occur in in this where these dead animals uh, all get infected and live animals get infected. And because the black can now run through all of those things that are connected to it, uh, you kind of end up with a weird monster apocalypse, uh, dead animal apocalypse thing going on. It's very disturbing. And all the while, Buddy is trying to come to grips with what his daughter is doing and the fact that he's not really. I mean, he's a superhero, but he's not the all powerful animal man that he thought he was. He is just a minor character in this bigger story. Uh, according yeah. to to the red and uh, at the end of this issue, the whole family is running off to go find Swamp Thing. And uh, man, I just I don't know. This is Rodrigo. What about this? Like totally drew you in. 
Is it is it just the the imagery? Is that what what, uh, what I mean? Uh, tripped for you? That was part of it. Uh, we've read some Animal Man before, and Animal Man is kind of all over the place. Um, I think really what drew me in was this reframing of Animal Man. Right? Uh, it's it's kind of hit or miss for me whether this thing that DC Comics does very frequently which is to say oh look at all of these random guys that random guys have created throughout our history they're all a thing now um you know i like war of light you know i just wasn't into that uh but this whole the red and the green thing i was kind of drawn to it because it was using a lot of pretty obscure or like b and c list kind of superheroes to tell this ongoing story so i i on uh, at, at its purest form, if you told me a comic's coming out in which Animal Man and his daughter, who also has weird animal powers, have to go find Swamp Thing, I mean, I'm kind of already sold from there. And right. then if on top of it, you're like, also, this whole thing is like, if you uh, fall asleep upside down while watching a Peter Gabriel video... <laughs> um, and and it's gonna kind of give you nightmares. I'd be like, well, that's that sounds so much better. And there's a talking cat in it. <laughs> Back in the '80s, when I was a kid, you, I kept running into these. Usually, they were imported uh, films, and they all seemed to fall Did back on the these. You know, no. Oh. These weird sort of, of of tropes, and eventually I came to realize that it, it, it's kind of this. It falls under this heading of ten, transhumanism, mm-hmm. and so I saw this movie once. It's called Tetsuo the, Tetsuo Iron, the Man. Iron Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't ever watch it. No, it's pretty um, disturbing. It is incredibly disturbing. Uh, but you know, you mentioned Cronenberg. You get the same feel from Eraserhead. You get the same feel from The Fly. You get the same feel from the things that happened to Tetsuo, uh, different Tetsuo in Akira. And it's this really, really horrifying. I, I don't, I don't like it. I just, I just don't like it. And Animal Man spends much of this series as he travels through the red, trying to figure out, you know, what's happening with my powers. Every time he uses his powers, he mutates into these weird, freakish, tumorous forms. And I'm mm-hmm. like, or he starts oh, bleeding like from that. the eyes. You know, the very yeah, first time. It's very There's disturbing. one sequence where his head literally seems to unzip and you see his eyes floating in this sea of teeth and meat and blood. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I don't need, I don't need to see this. I've been seen with Vincent Furnier. I mean, but it's still fascinating and, and terrifying to look at There's something exhilarating about how terrible it is. At one point, there's a sequence that implies that uh, his son, Cliff, has mutated into this thing that I I can only describe as part like um, there's a little bit of praying mantis and a little bit of what do they call those water pigs? Oh, like a oh, tardigrade, yeah, yeah, like a tardigrade, yeah. A little bit of a tardigrade and a little bit of the sight of beef that Rocky beat the snot out of in 1977, and it's all just kind of tied together in this terrifying sort of postmodernistic sculpture. And I look at it and I'm like, I can definitely see why Rodrigo loves this, and also I need to go bleach my eyes. Well, you know, and when you say terrible, you don't mean like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You mean terrible as in haunting and disturbing. 
I mean, in filling me with terror. Yeah, yeah. The traditional sense of this is a this is chilling. This is literally disturbing to look at, and by design, disturbing to look at. And I can definitely see the appeal, you know, especially in the context of the New Fifty Two, when so many of these books were being kind of boiled down to what felt almost like a the the flattest version that we could come up with or the most the broadest version say of batman or green lantern everything that was good about green lantern everything that you like it's all in there this is you know meant to be that perfect uh synthesis of all that ever was green lantern and of course yeah that never works whereas yeah. this book feels very specific and very hey Let's take Animal Man and do some freaky deaky uh, horror story with it. Yeah, and I, I was uh, turned off by the imagery. Uh, I also find it disturbing. I find it not appealing to me. Uh, I do think that there's beauty in the way that Foreman uh, renders all of these horrors on the page, and you can really get into it. And if you are a fan of the movies that Matthew and I have mentioned in this, then yeah, I think you're going to dig. I think you're going to dig this story in where it's going Uh, for some of us. And and maybe it's just Matthew and I are a little bit more squeamish than Rodrigo. But um, yeah, there's something about this that is creepy. It's kind of like when you turn over a rock out in the forest and you see all the squirmy things underneath that makes you kind of just want to go run in in, in terror. Uh, It's it's kind of like that. And at the same time, though, there's something about it that I couldn't turn away from it. Because it's I'm reading, fascinating. yeah, I'm I'm reading this on a Sunday afternoon, and my Sunday afternoons, as of late, have been now's the time to relax. Uh, now's the time to try to unwind as much as possible from all the things that are going on uh, in the family life and work life and major spoilers life and all that stuff. And I'm like, what better way to unwind than to read some comic books and kind of prep for the major spoilers podcast? And then I get to this. And Buddy's being turned inside out. He's turning into just, you know, a brain with blood vessels. And I'm just like, this is this is kind of stressing me out, but I can't put it down. And had this been something that was so bad, as in bad as in not good, um, Mm -hmm. had this been bad in a terrible way, I probably would have shut this down and said, no, I don't want to read any more of this. And I'm going to be that person that says I didn't complete the assignment on the show. but there's still something that drew me to want to turn that page to see, oh, is Buddy's wife and son, are they going to make it out? What's going to happen to the mother-in-law? What's going to happen to that poor sheriff guy or the poor police officer guy that uh, Buddy said, you can go to this guy and trust him? What's going to happen when one of the uh, one of the rot has impersonated him and he, you know, one of the, the kid look, look, looks away and the guy kind of belches or something and his, uh, and his and his head pops up into one of those little squishy things. You know, when you get stressed, you squeeze it and the eyes bu- and the ears bug out. Uh, it's it's kind of like that. And it's like, oh, my God, I need to turn the page to find out if this kid's going to die or not. And so yeah. there is something that even in the disturbing imagery, even in the nature of the story uh, that they are telling that Jeff Lemire and Foreman are, are telling in here. There's something that I can't turn away from. And I kind of really wish that when we decided to read this Animal Man, that we had read the first complete arc, because I do want to Mm -hmm. see what happens when the green gets involved. And I do want to see what happens when Maxine's powers unleash in this. So there's still at least one full volume before they get to swamp thing oh okay yeah all right so just so you know it's, it's i'm not like, sure i can read 18 issues but i could certainly read 12 yeah because because 
I I literally don't know what happens because I was like, yeah, Animal Man. I bought like I, I want to say it's two volumes. Yeah, and it's like twelve I, issues in it. Yeah, and I I, I read it, and then it's like basically to be continued on now on Swamp Thing trades because of course I was waiting for the trade, uh, and I was like, huh. Boy, I should really buy those Swamp Thing trades. And I've just never gotten <laughs> you know, around to it. Never you know? gotten so around like, to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you I know, mean, hmm. I, yeah. Go ahead, Matthew. I feel like there's something to be said for a book that you can definitely say is entertaining. It's interesting. It's quality storytelling, but also never, ever, 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 ever want to pick it up again. And I feel like there's a point in this in the series where. Animal Man basically is turned into this weird symbolic fountain of organs. And then his daughter, who also has the body of a spider, shows up with her horrifying fang talons and rips his face off. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to wrap my mind around what it is this is, is this is, you know, establishing what it is yeah, that we're looking at. at. Yeah. And I, I feel like I what mean, it really there... comes down to is it's it's very much a distillation of the superhero story. It's the good versus evil. It's the purity versus corruption. It's the, this is normal, natural things that we're trying to protect. And this is the evil Joker. But instead of the evil Joker turning, you know, fish into clownfish, it's a horrifying tumor monster that's going to eat your children. And they're, you know, going to be a part of this evil tumor monsters, army of tumor monsters. And yeah, I guess I didn't look at it so much as, you know, a distillation or a breakdown of what the superhero is, but just this idea of here is life and here is death and here's how these things can be corrupted and mm-hmm. what, you know, what we think as, and just from the visual side of it, what we think as something that is acceptable uh, to other things, other beings uh, that may not be so. And which is why everybody takes this very mutated, twisted, uh, deformed form uh, throughout the story and how the rot and how death corrupts that because if you think about some of the things that are going on with the bodies blowing up or bloating up or getting ripped off, you know, that's kind of like what happens when a body decays, right? It can start to swell and then it can, you know, fall apart and, and and all of these things. So I can really see where they're going for on the visuals for that. Um, but man, I, at the same time, I look at this and I, and I think, well, there's also nothing wrong with just doing a gross out book just to have fun, you know, doing a gross out, gross out book stuff. Yeah, and I feel like that is actually undermined by the way DC collects their issues because mm-hmm. the first five issues of this six-issue collection are that. It's Animal Man mm-hmm. getting tied up in this weird war. And then the sixth issue is Cliff watching a movie that stars his dad as a fictional superhero. Uh, I do love the fact that it's a, a Ryan Daranovsky film. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I've seen this movie. I think it starred Woody Harrelson the first time. But it just cuts off. You get to a point where we get five issues of this arc, and then we get an issue of something that feels very much like an interruption. And I you know, I think it was decided. It was specifically designed as an interruption, because I remember when the issue came out, you come back in issue seven, and they just sort of pick up where it all left off. But the way this is collected it feels very abrupt. It feels yeah. like, why is this here? And why does it just end? Yeah. And yeah, it, it really should have been the first 
uh, issue in the next volume, right? Where yeah. you are like, oh no, are they going to get away? And all of a sudden you're like, uh, you know, you get a whole new volume and you're like, what am I watching? And it's like, right. oh, okay, okay, they're still on the run. But yeah, this way it just ends kind of meh. Yeah, and that and that's that's probably the problem that I had because yes, you did get this this other look, and the way I read that after I after you find out that it's Buddy's son who's watching on his phone, you know, everybody copes with disaster or horror in their own way, and to me, Buddy's son who's all about let me do this for video, let me do this for social media, let me put this online, you know, his escape mechanism is to go in and watch something that he finds normal, and for him, that normal thing in this world of chaos is watching his dad's movie, which. I didn't even think the movie had come out yet when the uh, arc started. Maybe it had just come out or something. So it was odd that his son had access to it already. But, you know, then at the very, very end, you know, the son comes out of watching the show because his phone has died. And then as they're driving down the road, they're like, oh, things out there are getting really dark and disturbing. I don't I don't feel good about this. So for my mind, it kind of was an abrupt transition. But by the time you got to the end and you realize, oh, this is a coping mechanism and the world is getting darker and that's kind of ends on that bleak note kind of kind of did it for me really i mean kind of really made me go yeah now i i want to read six more issues of this but not 18 issues yeah that's kind of where i am too i mean i i think this what did this run 22 23 issues i don't even remember what this yeah, first volume went but i feel like as someone who, you know, kind of really loved the Grant Morrison Animal Man, and as one of the 19 people who actually remember the pre-crisis Animal Man from his days in Strange Adventures, this is a really cool, really exciting, really different take on the character in which I have absolutely no interest ever reading again. You mean you have this, this particular story, or you have no interest in reading this character? I have no interest in reading the rest of this because I know that it's not for me, mm-hmm. but I also know that it's kind of cool and I don't necessarily hate any of it. It looks like it ran 29 issues in two annuals, which, you know, in new 52 terms, that's successful. Yeah. A lot of oh, those yeah. new 52 books went under with six or 10 issues. So yeah, there's yeah. uh there's three trades I want to mm-hmm. say, and they between them contain the annuals, I think. But I feel like the idea of the rot is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really kind of feel like Travel Foreman is the reason why the rot is interesting. And the very things that make the rot interesting, visually and story-wise, are the very things that make me not want to see the rot. And that's fine. I mean, you know, not every book has to be for me. I am not the be-all and end-all of, of comics fandom. And it's it's really good to be able to read a book like this and go, yep, never ever ever reading this again. But it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I especially like the the black and white sequence with where blood where Buddy is just like a floating brain and blood vessels, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. only color is Buddy blood. being this walking blood creature. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, that is that's visually stunning and just horrifying imagery and great storytelling. And nope, never reading it again. Yeah, you know, Animal Man has never been like a high, you know, must read kind of character. There's many other other characters that I would want to read before Animal Man. Um, but I'm I'm down for a really fun, good Animal Man story that maybe gets into a little wackiness like we saw in the in the previous volume that we reviewed. I wasn't expecting this. Um, and I, you know, 
it is fascinating and worth a look if you can stomach it. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, not I, sure I that I, I'm not sure I can. who called it abattoir man. Yeah. Mm. I, and I'm, not inappropriately. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure that I would rush right out on a Biden frenzy for this, but I can see the appeal for, for, for a lot of people. Rodrigo. Yeah, definitely. We've spent a lot of time talking about the art and that's because without the art, this is actually a very by the, like mm. if you just saw this mm-hmm. in a page, it's a very mm-hmm. by the number story. Um, yeah. There's uh, the main character's little baby is connected to this special power. The evil side of the special power wants to get the baby so that they can use her special power. And, you know, there's like the good side and the dark side um, stuff we've seen before. Um, but it's kind of this idea that is like, yes, the, the, the light side and the dark side, the light side of animals and the dark side of animals. So it's like, even the light side is all like hooves and fangs and blood vessels and feathers and, you know, muscles and all this other stuff. And then the bad stuff is that stuff, but worse. Um, yeah. It creates this world it mm-hmm. really does and it's a world that almost doesn't fit in the into the dc universe like all good dc books <laughs> um you know it's like they were really sitting on vertigo at this point but this should have been a vertigo book it really should have um, and yes. this is where they're trying to move a lot of those titles from vertigo yeah. over to dc this is where constantine comes back and is part of swamp thing dc and swamp in. thing moves I, back over all of that stuff Looks i magic. would not be surprised if someday some writer decides that they want to use something from this stuff. And I would not be surprised to see DC repackage this as a vertigo trade or like as a vertigo be, masterpiece and then like make a, make it like a hardback maybe or something and try to sell it that way. May, maybe. Yeah. I mean, right now it would definitely move over into the black label line yeah. uh, because vertigo, I don't think they're doing anything vertigo ex, uh, except for black label stuff. Sure. sure. Uh, or, you know, a, a mature really stuff. Is a it, it isn't a thing. That's what I meant that it, everything is right. like black label. Yeah. But, yeah. But they're but they're gonna bring it back at some point. Oh, you, you know they are. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, here's I, I can't, here's you know, the thing. DC is gonna be really weird for the next two years. People, that's oh, true. Even longer than that. I mean, DC is gonna be weird probably for the next five. And if they do ever come back to anything that we expect that is normal, it's gonna be the weird side of normal that we saw in '87 through '95 when nobody knew what was going on in the industry anyway. It's gonna be wacky, but fun. But oh no, no no I'm sorry I said fun oh yeah fun ah. times fun times stop that stop yeah. that right now I will say this there is one misstep in this this arc that I cannot forgive mm-hmm. Animal Man's costume should be orange the two tone blue and white does not work for me I don't like it well it should be orange. I mean there should and, and then there you know, is this artist's take complaints. on that on that character so. Um, old person complaints. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old man. Animal man is one of the few people. Shut up. Who can get away with an orange costume? That's true. There are very few people who can get away with an orange costume, and Animal Man is one of them. Aquaman is another. The cat just caught a mouse. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, see, the visceral. Uh, yeah, right yeah. there. You're going to see the rod here in a few Power hours, Matthew. Of life. Yeah. Exactly. Life, death, and everything in between. That is uh, Animal Man, and that's where I think we're going to wrap it up this week on the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for being part of everything at the Major Spoilers experience that we do.
And as always, we love your feedback. So use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and your reactions to this episode and the grossness that is Animal Man. Or even better, you can send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Next week, we get back to a some kind of normal as we catch up on Atomic Robo and the Temple of Odd or Ood. It's up to you to determine uh, how you say that. But we'll be back next week to talk about that because we know that you love comics and we do, too. We'll talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline but would I really even need to read upon all those escapades I mean who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe but the downside is such a beast being shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 Major Spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.